Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Welton. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments, where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business, and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at Abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the Abundant Leap Podcast. All right, Abundance family, welcome back to another episode here at the Abundance Sleep Podcast. I'm a good friend, Jeff Lerner, here on the line. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. How you doing? So grateful to be here, Chance. Uh, feeling very abundant. <laughs> right on. Uh, I've seen a lot of your work online over the years. I've seen you been running ads for a long, long time. And I know that you're serving people pretty much in all like parts of their entrepreneurial journey from starting out to, I know that you help and advise on companies that are doing like 10 to a hundred million. So you kind of come in on every different, uh, you know, aspect there in along in their journey. But before we even get to that, I really want you to talk about where you got your start in entrepreneurship, some of the lessons that you've learned along your, uh, along the way. And then when did you really have that abundance leap, that aha moment of, wow, I'm on to something, I'm going all in, I'm taking the risk, I'm jumping off, I'm jumping off the edge. Um, okay, so the very quick version of getting my start and such is uh had kind of a dramatic teenage epiphany of like, I don't really want to fit into what I think the world is trying to get me to fit into. Uh, I think a lot of young people today kind of resonate with that. Um, and so for me, my, you know, teenage rebellion consisted of dropping out of high school to become a musician, a self-taught musician. And I bought a book called the jazz piano book. And I started teaching myself to play jazz piano out of a book. And I figured jazz is cool because it like you create it fresh every time. Right. And I was really into this idea of like, I'm a unique human the world wants to put me in a box and make me like everybody else. I want to create stuff, right? And, and in, in jazz, you not only get to like be involved in music, which is a creative expression, creative outlet, it's literally different every single time. And I don't know, that just really appealed to me. And so I did that. And believe it or not, that was actually how I see getting my entrepreneurial start because what happened was a few years into that, that choice, um, and I ended up having a nice career as a musician for my, my 20s, the, all the best gigs I was playing, like I played all kinds of gigs. I played bars, nightclubs, weddings, private parties, society galas, high-end house parties, you name it. But all my best gigs were actually playing for entrepreneurs, really you know, wealthy, successful people that had dinner parties and uh, nice pianos and would pay a guy like me to come play piano for their friends while they had dinner, right? Um, it's a certain class of people that, you know, can pay a thousand or $2,000 to just have live music at a dinner party for 10 people. And those were like the coolest gigs because it was like intimate. And I'm like, who are these people? This is like a whole other world, right? And they were all entrepreneurs having their entrepreneur friends over, right? And this was before like, like the all in podcast. And like, now we kind of have, or like Shark Tank, we have, we feel like we have some exposure to this, but this was 20 
uh, 20, 20 plus years ago. And like, there was no way to peek into that world. And I got to be there. I got to be in the room and hear the conversations. I played for, you know, guys that own professional sports teams. I was in Houston, Texas, T Boone Pickens and, and Jim Crane, who owns the Astros and Tillman Fertitta, who now owns the Rockets and Bob McNair, who owned the Texans. And these are billionaires. And I'm like in their homes, hanging out with their friends, playing piano. Right. And I'm, and so I was just, all in. I was like, okay, I, this is why I became a musician. I became a musician to get access to this. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I, so I went full bore into entrepreneurship. So I, you know, you talk about these kind of light bulb moments or abundance, you know, switch flips, so to speak. I think that was the first one is just like, oh, this world exists. This is out there. Um, and some of these people, it's not like they all went to the right college or they all grew up in the right neighborhood or they all had the right friends or they all have the right last name a lot. I mean, most of these people were self-made bootstrap. Um, so it was kind of like, there's this amazing world and it's accessible to anyone. So that was the first switch to add to flip. And then I started trying to start businesses all through my twenties. I was trying and failing at various businesses. I was always underfunded. Uh, underskilled, underconnected, like it's not as easy as maybe some of those guys made it look a little bit. And uh, so I spent about 10 years just failing repeatedly. Um, and in my late 20s, I was in a mountain of debt and I, I discovered, I would say the next switch flipped, which is this discovery of, I call it the modern economy or the digital economy. It's the economy that we're participating in right now. It's leveraging the internet, it's leveraging technology, it's creating opportunities for entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial endeavors that are not tied to the old brick and mortar fixed economy, right? You can, you can you know, have some location freedom and time freedom and leverage you know, technology. And so that world was really when I actually started to succeed as an entrepreneur. Prior to that, I had just been failing at a string of old incarnation entrepreneurship type models. Then I started succeeding at, you know, first it was affiliate marketing. I had a digital agency. I had e-commerce stores. I had, uh, I, I started an online direct sales company. I did a number of different things online. I did some coaching. I uh, did whatever, you know, a lot of different stuff. And from 2000, long story short, from 2008, when I discovered the internet and this online economy through roughly the fall of 2018, I have so about 10 years, I went from like broke, debt, you know, musician, getting divorced, depressed, like life is hard, woe is me, rock bottom, all this pain. And 10 years later, I had, you know, between all those various different businesses, um, I had, you know, generated over $50 million in online sales at a reasonable profit margin and got to, you know, just bring home enough money to completely change my life. You know, I moved, I remarried, I started a family. I had just like, it wasn't just like, oh, before I was poor and now I'm not. It was like, before I was like poor, I was, I was impoverished of mind, body, and spirit. Now I'm like, I feel rich and abundant and fulfilled in mind, body, and spirit. Like I kind of feel like I have it all. And it was learning very specific skills that, that are valuable in the modern digital economy is what unlocked all that for me, right? It was, and it was funny because even in for me, it was like time spent at a keyboard. It was just the wrong keyboard. I used to sit at a piano keyboard and I switched to a computer keyboard and like all this amazing stuff happened in my life. 
And so in 2018, I get, I mean, obviously that was another switch flipping was, was discovering that. And then all the lessons learned along the way to go from dollar one to building real businesses, lots of switches flipping. And then, and then I think, I think in the late 2018 is really when I would say the biggest switch flip for me, which is, okay, up to this point, yes, I've been involved in entrepreneurial value exchange. Obviously you have to create products and services that have value in the market. And then you exchange that with the market for money. It's very transactional, right? But it was more of like, okay, wh what is, why? What is the why here? What is the deeper purpose? And, and I, I started to have, I don't know, maybe I was a midlife crisis, like this longing to do something that was beyond transactional entrepreneurship, right? And I kind of figured out, okay, I have a pretty cool story, this, this transformational arc from broke jazz musician getting evicted from his apartment moving in with his you know estranged wife's parents to now where i am in life like i should tell that story and maybe i maybe other people would be interested and maybe i could you know inspire some people to take a shot on themselves or uh, you know bet on themselves and learn some new skills and i started doing that and what's grown from that in the last 5 years is uh, basically a movement of, of people embracing entrepreneurship. And I have an education platform called Entre Institute and a number of other businesses, but, but really my movement to do what I believe is my, is my work. It is my calling on this earth, which is to, to introduce people to the opportunities of entrepreneurship and more broadly to the way of being in the world that I call entrepreneurialism. As, a, as the ultimate mechanism for them to design the life they want, achieve the life they want, transform into the person that they can become, of course, solve financial challenges and grow their, their finances, but it's just so much broader than that. I mean, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurialism more broadly, like it's the ultimate forge for human development and the unlocking of human potential while simultaneously tending to the very practical need of like, I must eat and pay my bills. And that's why I love it. And that's why I preach it. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. I know a, a lot happened in those, you know, <laughs> 10 to now 15 some odd years. And you give us a great overview of that. But I want to go back to that time when you started spending your time around high net worth people. And yeah. Be, by you being submerged in it again and again and again, were there certain conversations that you kept kind of hearing repeat themselves that helped you unlock a different way of thinking? Like what, do you remember a specific time or conversation that took place where you thought, wow, I've been looking at this in the wrong way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if if we're looking for that red pill moment where you know, and, and like money is, is I always tell people money is the lagging indicator of success, right? Like Absolutely. you've got a lot of, there's a lot of transformation, a lot of, a lot of very successful evolutions and iterations need to happen in your life before you're going to have a bunch of money to show for it. Right. So if you try to evaluate the wisdom of a particular decision, that's one of many in a chain that lead to success. And if you try to evaluate it in the short term by saying, did I just make a bunch of money? You're looking at the wrong indicator, right? And so, you know, if I were to look at my life, like, like my, my, my red pill or, or switch flip moment, really, it was not when I started making a bunch of money. It was in my early 20s, 
when I was playing piano at Bob McNair's house, I write this, I write about this story in my book, who was the owner of the Houston Texans. And I couldn't tell you what year this was, probably 2003, 2004, somewhere in there, a little over, let's say 20 years ago in my early twenties, I'm 44 now. And Bob McNair was the owner of the Houston Texans. And I arrived early at Bob McNair's house, this big palatial mansion on River Oaks Boulevard in Houston. Um, and I arrive early at all those gigs. I go like warm up, play a little on the piano, just make sure I'm settled, give the, give the host comfort that the entertainment has arrived. Um, one less thing for them to worry about. And I got to the gig about an hour early and Bob McNair, there's a whole story in the book. I'll, I'll, I won't, you know, give you all the details, but basically Bob had a particular piece of music that he wanted me to, to play for his dinner party, which was all of the coaching staff for the Houston Texans. And he wanted me to play the new Texans fight song. I was going to be the first musician to perform the new Houston Texans fight song for the coaches. And he gave me this scribbled piece of sheet music that I was supposed to like decipher and make sense of. Anyway, I did. Ultimately, long story short, I pulled off a reasonable rendition of this new fight song. I sort of made magic out of chicken scratch. And he was so pleased. He was so uh, excited that I had helped bring his creation to life uh, that he ended up actually like spending some time with me after the gig. Like me, it's just me chilling with a billionaire like you do, right? I'm a 20 something year old broke musician hanging out with a billionaire who's grateful because I just helped him pull off a successful dinner party and debut the new fight song for a professional football team. And I got to talk to this guy and he told that conversation. I never came back from that conversation. I never, I never unchanged. Like there, there was no going back. He, he told me, right? And so Bob McNair, you can go look him up on Wikipedia. And I think a lot of his details are in that story, but this guy literally just failed over and over and over. He failed, I think it was 18 times. And he didn't actually find success until he was in his 40s. And when he did finally find success, like his first successful business, he made like a billion dollars. And I just remember thinking like, it's okay that I'm struggling. It's okay that I keep failing. It's okay that I feel like a loser sometimes. It's okay that nobody understands me and a lot of people think I'm weird or I'm self-destructive or I'm crazy. It's okay that I am more invested in, in listening to the call of my heart and the desire of my soul to live a life of self-determination and to be free than to be obsessed with money and the illusion of comfort and the, and the false sense of security that I see everybody else being really willing to basically trade their whole life for. Uh, like, it's all okay. And Bob said, he goes, yeah, you know, you know how that, uh, that thing that Einstein said about how, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, that's, that's called insanity. And they teach you that when you're really young and you're supposed to learn from your mistakes. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that thing. He goes, yeah. I was, uh, I was absent the day they taught us that in school. Like I never learned that. So I was willing to keep failing over and over and over and over. And, you know, obviously trying to learn, but fundamentally I was willing to take the same risk multiple times again and again and again and again, because I actually expected a different result. And because I missed the day when I was supposed to learn that lesson, 
Now I'm a billionaire. And uh, yeah, I decided then and there, it wasn't even like a mental, like a, a conscious decision. It was more of just a, a shift in my heart of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes, as long as it takes until I get where I want to be in this one, this one life that I get to live. And frankly, even if it kills me, because if not, it feels like a death anyways, like to compromise would just, that's, that's just as dead as dead. So Jeff, I took a lot from that story that you just shared and you know, it was a, a lot of people say, oh, I wasted so much of my life or I've been doing something way too long and I, I was wasted so much time, energy, resources, stress, yada, yada, yada. But all of those experiences and everything that we're doing is moving us closer to the person that we're supposed to be if we're paying attention, right? Like mm -hmm. you said, when, when, some, when someone drops a clue, you take action on it. If not, you're going to stay in the yo-yo effect and keep making the same mistakes, stay in the same place, hang out with the same people not move forward, have these ups and downs and dopamine and serotonin release because you get excited about something, but never moving the needle, right? And so that time that you spent as a broke musician and playing for all these people, eventually you had that sit down. Eventually you started mm -hmm. hearing some of these common conversations that were happening. You're like, man, if all those people at this high of a level are focusing their energy, their time, their resources on these exact things, maybe I should too. Mm -hmm. And when he taught you that different way of framing the idea of, of risk, you thought, you know what, this makes sense to me. He just gave me permission to continue to chase my dreams, make mistakes, fail, go all in. And then you get better every single time to where eventually you land on that, that one thing that catapults you or that one idea that your heart resonates with enough to where you fully commit to it to really take it to that next level. So once that aha moment happened and you said you finally, you know, got success more in in the online space, which is where I found my success as well, what was that first endeavor that you embarked on where you thought, "Hey, I I'm starting to win." Yeah. Uh it was affiliate marketing actually. So in November 2008, uh, which I remember clearly because it was the week of Thanksgiving, the fourth week of November, 2008. Um, I was in a ton of debt. I had, I was getting ready to when move out of ton my of debt. Like, what are we talking? Like how, how bad were you in the hole? How stressed out, how stressed out were you? $495,000. Were the debt collectors coming after you? Is anybody towing your car? Like, uh, yeah. So I'm having to, I'm having to move out of my apartment. It, I, I use, I say I got evicted. Technically I lived in a duplex that was owned by a friend of mine. And so like, he didn't actually like, like I didn't have the sheriff deputy come pick me out. I just had to move out because I couldn't pay the rent. Um, so, so I'm moving out, we're getting ready to move into my, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems with my wife. I, I was married, but not happily. So, and, uh, you can imagine how, you know, how, how much it helps that situation to yeah. say, Hey, we need to move in with your parents. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I was, and, and I had lost two franchise restaurants. I mean, you say, how does a guy that makes, you know, 40, $50,000 a year as a musician, how does that person get $495,000 in debt? Well, this was 2008. So remember 2006, 2007, 2008, we had this big credit bubble. Anybody with a, with a pulse could get a loan. And I had borrowed the money to open two franchise restaurants in 2007. And so in 2008, that was the great recession. The real estate 
market collapsed, the energy prices collapsed. I lived in Houston, which is like, you know, energy is the heartbeat of the Houston economy. Uh, so when oil and gas prices collapsed, all of our business disappeared from these two franchise restaurants. And I was between lease, you know, four years, I had four years left on two commercial leases. I had back taxes. I had, uh, bank loans and, you know, for a total of $495,000 in debt. So, yeah. So anyway, that was, um, that was the, the situation. And, uh, and the reason why I wanted to go there, Jeff, is because I've spoken with students that don't have debt and they're not willing to take on debt to really go make a change in their life. And they think, oh, a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks mm -hmm. to go and start an online business. It's like, Guys, you got to understand there's a lot more risk and a lot scarier places to be, um, especially back then when we didn't have the Internet and all these things to help help support us. Um, but yeah, continue. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about all of the. I mean, the, the two the two like staples of the American dream are both built on debt, which are education and housing. Mm -hmm. I mean. Like you're a success if you go to college and get a degree and get a job and buy a house and get a mortgage. That's all just debt, right? I mean, this idea that debt is bad, that's like, I, I, you know, I talk about this in my book too. That's like saying, like debt is a tool. And, and that's like saying a hammer is bad because you can hurt yourself with a hammer. Yeah, but you also build things with hammers, right? It's just a tool. Um, and so anyways, uh, you asked about the first thing I did. So yeah, I became an affiliate marketer, right? I was in all this debt. Uh, I had one credit card. I was up late one night searching on the internet how to make money, how to pay off debt, you know, how to not be a broke loser. <laughs> and I found a training course on affiliate marketing. And I spent $395 on a on a course on a credit card. You know, when you're already $495,000 in debt, $395 is not uh, terribly intimidating. No, you're like whatever, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a little it's a little extra grain of sand at the beach, right? And so I, uh, yeah, I bought this course on affiliate marketing. And I remember in December, I made $110. And then in January, I made, I think, $1,100. February was like a few grand. March was like, I think I'm getting, yeah, March was nine grand, just less than 10, but it's like many thousands. April was 20 something grand. May was 40 grand. June was 70 grand in commissions. So it was a 110, 1100, a couple grand, almost 10 grand, 20, 24 grand, I think, then 40 grand and 70 grand in seven months. Now, bear in mind, I'd never made more than 50 or $60,000 in a year as a, as a musician. So after seven months of affiliate marketing, I had just earned more in a month than I had ever earned before in a year. And I don't know, man, that just, just found my groove. It's just being online. It's like, it all makes so much sense to me. Like, why would you fight for foot traffic or, 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 you know, local calls and, and I get it. I mean, there's, there's amazing local businesses. There's amazing geo constrained businesses. There's amazing physical businesses, but if you don't have a lot of resources, the leverage that you can get by understanding how the internet works, there's just nothing else like it in the world. Absolutely. And at that point, did, you know, when you started making more money than you ever had before, were you smart about that? Did you pay off debt? 
were you kind of hitting an upper limit problem? You started self-sabotaging yeah. other aspects so, of your so life. Like what happened from that point? I look at it as a, as a real blessing because for 18 months, I was making, you know, once I kind of started to hit my stride, I was making, you know, 30 to 80 grand a month, but which is, which is a, that's a real shock to the system when you've been a broke musician, except that I didn't get to keep the money. I was like running ads, earning commissions, taking 90% of the difference between my ad, my expenses and my commissions and using it to pay off debt. So after 18 and living off of, you know, 10%, I was basically living off of about 10% of what I was earning net paying off debt with 90% of it. So my quality of life didn't actually change. So after 18 months, the only difference was I didn't have any debt anymore. I paid off $495,000 in debt uh, in about a year and a half. Um, and so I kind of had that ramp up period where I got used to handling larger amounts of money, but it's not like my life changed that much. Now, after a year and a half, where I had kind of like, it's like adjusting to the altitude, right? I was like, I had adjusted to the altitude of having a lot more money flowing through my personal economy. And then I was able to sort of more strategically be like, oh, now I have some of this it's, that's disposable. What do I actually want to do with it? And I'm not going to say that I was, I was particularly great at handling that amount of money. I mean, frankly, in hindsight, I, I could be a lot wealthier than I am if, if over the next 10 years I had lived like a pauper and just bought real estate with all my money. I mean, I did some kind of, you know, silly stuff. I moved to, you know, I moved to New York. I got a nice apartment. I, you know, went out and had nice meals and was a little silly, but, um, and then I, and then I got married or I got remarried. I, I met my, my wife now and she had three kids. I adopted the kids. We had a four kids. So now I'm like a dad with four kids. I don't know if you know, but I'm sure a lot of your audience, I, I literally don't know. I don't know if you're married or have kids or whatever, but, uh, you know, when you love, when you find a family or have a family and you really love them and want to give them a great life, you can spend a lot of money just on what you would call providing a great life. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much you want me to talk about what I do with my money, but it's, I'd say I'm good, but not great. Well, you know, cause David Meltzer says every millionaire will go broke twice because mm. of that cycle of what you think it's always going to come in. I mean, I made that mistake yeah. early on in my career. It's like, oh, I'm hitting these 20, 30, 50, 100K months. I'm like, it's just going to keep coming. So I'm, I was spending it as fast as I was getting it, right? And like you yeah. said, if I could yeah. go back in time and invest that, it's like, well, 100 grand a month. I could have been buying a half a million dollar house, you know, every other month. Right, right. Over totally. the last 10 years. Totally, you know, yeah. Where it's like when... I finally got into real estate and, and flipped a home and got, you know, short-term rental and started doing things. And I was like, wow, my dollar could have stretched so much further if I would have been paying attention to that. Because I always heard my, the older generations of my uncles and stuff, they saw me making money like, Hey, save it for a rainy day. And I was like, that's just sh shit. Old people say right. rainy day. That was back before we had the internet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now we just make it rain. Right. <laughs> right. So. Uh, I'm always interested to hear, you know, people's like journey uh, through that. Cause a good friend of mine is Gay Hendricks who wrote the book, The Big Leap. I play golf with him uh, up in Ojai. And he talks about we get to these certain levels of success, whether that's financially, emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually. And then somehow we sub, we self sabotage in a different area of our life 
because we're not used to feeling that good. And usually that mm -hmm. happens with, with money. Um, you see a lot of pro athletes. I think something like a staggering number of 70% go bankrupt after five years of their last game. Um, you know, mm -hmm. because the money stops flowing. And so all of us go through this process and, you know, that's a big part of this podcast is really helping people understand how to be smart because money generation is one thing, money preservation and, and wealth generation is a whole nother ball game when it comes to yeah. taxes and real estate, hard assets first, you know, liquid, like, so I'm always curious to hear that and what you're really focused on now and how you're investing your money this, you know, at this chapter in your life. Yeah. So, I mean, for this is like, this is totally where my head is at these days. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I guess it's premature to say this, but I'll say it anyways. I'm, I'm actually about to go through some sort, some level of a rebrand or a refresh of my brand online to really go more towards wealth and legacy for entrepreneurs. Like I've been the entrepreneurship can change your life guy, which is great. And I have you know, a platform that's helped thousands of people get started with entrepreneurship, but it's kind of, it's actually getting harder and harder for me to continue to, to, to primarily focus on content about getting started with entrepreneurship because I'm, I'm so far into the journey. Right. And I want my content to, to be more authentic in the sense of it really reflects where I'm at and where I'm at right now. Like this is absolutely the game I'm playing, right. Is how do you turn, I talk about uh, phases of legacy, right? You have an income phase, you have a growth phase, and you have a wealth phase. And, and most people spend their entire life in the income phase and they never actually graduate from it. Um, you to me, I, the way I've benchmarked it is you graduate from the income phase once you have income that is equal to or greater than five times your expenses. Because at that level, you can live off of 20% of your money. You're probably gonna pay 40% of it to taxes but then you have another 40% to save and invest. And when you're investing twice as much as you're spending to live, now, you're, now you have, like, you actually have surplus, you have leverage, you have momentum that can build. And so then you get into the growth phase where to your point, it's about, it's not even about making more money. It's about figuring out how to lock in the money that you're making so that it becomes, I call it predictable, bankable, and sellable, right? Where like, Literally, your future cash flows are so assured that you could go borrow money against the money you're going to make in the future. A bank would go, yeah, I see it. Two years from now, I can bet that this person is still going to be making this money. There's very specific things you do with your cash flows to, to secure them, right? And even to sell them. Hey, like I will sell you on the basis, I will sell you this asset on the basis of the future cash flows that it will produce. That's the growth phase. But then like once you have that, once you have cash flows, that are far greater than what you need to live. And then you've anchored them and secured them. Now, how do you convert that into true long-term multi-generational wealth and you know, ultimately legacy? And that's, that's totally where my head is right now. And I really think about it as sort of these exponential leaps. Um, there's, a, there's a law in business, I forget who, who coined it, uh, it's a Japanese term, maybe you're familiar, but it's the law of three and 10. I want to say Kurosawa's law, but that's not right. Kurosawa was a film director. But anyway, um, if you Google law of three and 10, you'll find it. I think it was the guy that started Rakuten, actually, the, the online affiliate marketplace. Yep. But anyway, um, and it talks about how there's these like levels that you have to break through. And, and they typically hover around the three and the 10 of every 
every every add every additional zero, right? So that you'll have like a break point at like businesses tend to get stuck at like three hundred thousand a year, and then they'll break through that, and then they tend to get stuck at like a million dollars a year, and then they break through that, and then they'll get stuck at three million dollars a year, and they'll break through that, and they'll get stuck at ten million dollars a year, and then thirty, and then a hundred, then three hundred, then a billion. So it's like the three and the ten, right? And I kind of think that's that's sort of how we are as humans. And, and it's not always precisely a three and a 10, but there's these sort of like natural evolutionary stages or almost like levels of a game, right? And in every level, there's lessons you're supposed to learn. There's monsters you're supposed to vanquish. There's, you know, moves you're supposed to learn to execute. And ultimately there's a, a goal you're supposed to achieve to unlock the next level. And I think a lot of that, to your point, has to do with the psychology of, of money and what you're supposed to do with the abundance at each level to unlock the abundance at the next level. And I kind of got to this point where I'm like, I really, truly don't think I can unlock the next level unless I master the resources at each level. And therefore, I need to start becoming a lot more disciplined steward of the money at each level. And so now I'm at this level where, you know, I'm... My current goal is to build a $100 million ARR business, annual recurring revenue business. That's the next unlock for me. And I know that there are very specific things or, that I have to do to, to sort of deserve that level. Everybody, it's easy to want that level. It's different to actually deserve it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, capital allocation you know, how much goes into real estate, how much goes into equities, how much goes into, you know, uh, cash flow based life insurance, how much, um, and that's, I don't know. So I don't know how much you want to get into the weeds of that, but that's totally the game I'm playing right now, because ultimately what I see is I'm sure you've seen this, you, you described it. So many entrepreneurs that figure out how to make some money. They don't figure out how to become wealthy. Absolutely. Uh, I'll have to check, look at it. Is there a book that's written about the, the rule of three and 10? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'll, I'll find it. There's not a book, um, but I, I am going to find it. I can look it up it. after this. I just didn't know if they had written a book about it because now as you were saying that, I was seeing it's all called these- It's Mikitani's Rule. Mikitani's Rule. Mikitani's Rule. Because as you were saying that, I was thinking through all of the different businesses that I've started that hit that. You know, and I've seen it in, in my students where they get to that 3K per month where they got, you know, one or two clients and it's really hard for them to break through because now they got to start building some systems, some SOP. It's that next level yeah. of the game to get you to 10K. And then I've had so many students it's like, man, hitting that 10K, I'm like, that's where you got to start outsourcing. That's where you need to hire a sales rep. That'll be beating the phones harder than you ever would to get mm -hmm. to that next level. So many people stuck at 30K. So many people stuck at 100K, even through my growth. I remember we'd grown our first uh, educational platform to north of 10 million and could not just get it to that next thing. <laughs> Spend more ads, that didn't do it. Hire better sales reps, that didn't do it. it. But it came down to now that next level was implementing AI to start handling all of the setting and the supports. Now we could reduce admin costs. Mm -hmm. The AI would have 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 conversations with a potential buyer before they even thought about buying into a low ticket where the sales rep would always be done at seven or eight. And we went right, back right. and looked at the millions and millions of dollars we had spent on quote unquote dead leads that now moving forward by using 
AI are able to bring those leads back to life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and you're right. It's always, there's always one thing. Like there's, there's many things, but one of them is the dependency. And so you solve a bunch of things, but eventually you solve the right thing. And then that's when it, it's like tumblers in a lock, right? There's always that one last tumbler that has to click and then the door opens. Absolutely. And in the coaching space, you know, I'm helping a lot of coaches now grow to that 200, 300K per month mark with them just having like one or two other employees by leveraging AI SaaS automation. And Mm -hmm. the big thing that shifted in our world is now you need to build more trust, rapport. And like what Alex Ramosi was talking about at his event was like, you give, 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 give until eventually they ask. Whether Mm -hmm. before, you know, the old school email marketing strategy was like, you know, give, give, ask, give, give, ask, give, give, ask, you know, get that ask in there sooner. So what I've seen change now and that biggest lever that we pulled was bringing people into uh, a challenge, like five bucks, eight bucks, whatever, spend an entire week with them, then present with them the next level of support and commitment, which could be 500 or a thousand, and then build, you know, spend 90 days with them. And then the 10 K, the 15 K, the 25 K can come, but it's that lever of spending more time and just giving so much value up front. And then we've seen our ad campaigns go back to five to 10 X row as where before we could go out and have four to five X rows and do a high ticket sell right on the phone. We knew that, okay, the model has changed. What is that next lever to get us to that next level? Mm-hmm. And really surveying your customers. I think something that people really overlook is your buyer list, your email list, your customers. They have all the right answers for your next product and where you need to take your service. They do, especially the yeah. loyal ones that have been in your database for longer than a year. Ask them, they'll tell you exactly what you need to create to take your product, your service to the next level. Amen. Couldn't agree more. You're you're basically describing much of the evolution that I'm going through right now, and in a particularly two of my businesses come to mind, uh, Entra and, and one other. And yeah, I mean, without without unpacking it, I mean, basically everything. Yes to everything you just said. <laughs> so, Jeff, you you we started out where you where you started, and started as a musician, started hanging around the right people. Eventually, light bulbs started to go off. You got permission because you'd heard other people do it. And this is the powerful thing about masterminds being in the right room, hanging around the right people is that they give you permission to be better. You know, they're not telling you how to live your life, but just by hearing their stories, you start to um, piece it together with your experience and learn it like, wait mm-hmm. a second, I went through that same experience. I felt those same things. I want to experience what they're experiencing. And that's what I tell any of my followers. Go be around the people, hang around the people that you want to be like. Not the fake gurus mm-hmm. online that are showing flashy cars and flashy houses, like the people that are actually living a healthy, free, amazing life and get in the right room with those people because they start to rub off on you. Just like, you know, when you go and you sit down with a friend and all they do is like complain about their day and everyone sucks and life is terrible. It's like, it's not fun to be around those people. And guess what? You turn into a complainer as well. So mm-hmm. if you're listening into this, if your friends are not bringing you up, building you up to be better, go find new friends. Please get in the right rooms. That's what Jeff did. It's allowed him to build this amazing business over the years, build an amazing community, serve so many people. And I know that you're helping a lot of people have that abundant leap now as well, Jeff, that come in as a beginner entrepreneur and are going through a very similar journey that you were going through when you were a jazz musician 
And it's so fun being a coach to be able to say, hey, here's how to avoid the pain and find pleasure sooner by doing um, X, Y, Z. So I want to commend you for being a coach and sharing your your journey here with us on the Abundant Sleep podcast. And it's just so refreshing. And that's why I love doing this so much is because we all come from struggle. We all come from stress. We all come from being in debt. We all come from like having some pretty wild things happen in life. But the the people like yourself and and myself that continue to push and to grow and to go through it, we can have these amazing conversations because we both have like done the work and and are trying to help people. So Jeff, how can we continue to support you? Where can people find you? What are you excited about that's coming up uh, in the next six months? Uh, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think I would say to the audience, you know, there's, there's, there's probably one of two things that I have to offer is probably a value to most people listening. Um, if somebody's hearing the conversation we're having and is like, I'm so... Like, I want in, I want to live this life. I want to, you know, have this freedom and money. I mean, that's literally what it comes down to, right? It's like, you can be, it's easy to be free if you're willing to be broke. Although not having money is its own type of prison. But at least if you want to, you know, go for a walk, you don't have to clock out or whatever. Um, And and frankly, it's to some degree easy to have money if you're willing to have no freedom. If you're just willing to like learn the right skills and, and, spend every waking hour applying them for someone else's benefit, they'll pay you reasonably well for that. Um, but to have both, that's the art, right? And if somebody's listening going, hey, I want to have both, well, I believe the answer is entrepreneurship. I don't know. I mean, unless you're like in very specific industries and you have very specific contacts or you go to the right school, like in, you know, a very specific set of things that happen for you that only happen for, or only available to happen for a small number of people. Unless you have that unique instance, for most people, entrepreneurship is how they can have that life where they get to have their cake and eat it too. So if somebody's listening, I would say, cool, you can come in. Like it's, it's right here. Come to my YouTube channel. It's free. I have hundreds, I think over a thousand videos at this point. And you can watch videos about, you know, I teach stuff and I, I introduce you to these concepts. I talk about how to live like an entrepreneur, the things that entrepreneurs do, different types of businesses, different marketing and business and sales and all these stuff I've learned through my journey, whatever. It's all there. If you like it, if you come to my site or my web, my YouTube channel and you're like, I like this, I'm interested in the content and I, I you know, believe this person, every video has a link to a free ebook and you can come into our world and learn about Entra and how we teach you how to get started. Now, if you're part of your audience who's already like, I've already got a thing and I want to grow my thing. I want to break through those, those break points at three or 10 or 30 or 100 or whatever. Um, I'm a partner in a company called MaxRev. Um, if you go to MaxRev.com and we actually help entrepreneurs, help businesses with established product market fit we help them scale. We're a completely managed sales service company. So instead of having to, because I mean, you and I, I'm I'm sure you would agree, like one of the hardest parts of scaling a business is building and managing the sales organization. And uh, that's where a lot of, especially people that are like passionate product or service focused entrepreneurs, they love to coach or they love to code or they love to build their thing or they love to take care of their clients. They're not passionate about the mechanics of running sales. 
And uh, we have a, a completely managed solution that can do that for them. Um, and they can learn more about that at maxrev.com. And if they want to work with us, there's an application and that kind of thing. So, so I kind of have two things for the beginner and for the established entrepreneur. Very cool. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on here. Guys, I'm going to put the YouTube link down below. What's the name of the channel, Jeff? Uh, Jeff Lerner Official. Jeff Lerner Official. Guys, go check it out. He's got a lot of great content on there. I've been seeing your stuff for years. I've learned a lot out of your videos. It's been an honor to have you a, a guest here at Abundance. And I look forward to seeing uh, the new rebrand and everything that you're doing moving forward. And thank you again for serving so many people and being here on The Abundance Show. Thank you, Chance. Appreciate it. It's been a blast. All right, brother. Talk soon. Take care.